Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. So glad to have all of you with us in worship, whether you're in person here in our traditional space, watching online, or joining us from upstairs in our modern service. We're all uh, one church, two different styles of worship, but one message, and of course, the one and only God that we serve today. It's good to be in the house of the Lord together. Thank you so much for being here. As Chris said, we've been in this sermon series called Good Enough, uh, which is based upon a book um, by two folks uh, from Duke University and uh, Kate Bowler and, and Jessica Ritchie, uh, who've written this book. That they say pretty much the premise is that in America, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be perfect, to live the perfect life, that we have the perfect job, we have the perfect body, we have the perfect house, the perfect income, the perfect family. Uh, the perfect church, even the perfect pastor, right? Uh, and that we want the whole world to know how perfect our life is, so we put that all on social media. And we all know, if we're honest, that that's an impossible standard to uphold. There's no way that we can be perfect, and yet we still put that pressure on ourselves. And so these authors have asked the question, if we can't be perfect, then what does a good enough life look like? What does it mean to live a life that's good enough? And we've been looking at that over the past uh, four weeks. Today we're going to wrap the series up. And if you've enjoyed this, I invite you maybe to check the book out. You can get that at any bookstore. Uh, there's like 40 chapters in there. It'd be great to do for a devotion, one a day for 40 days. So if you like this, there's more to, for you to be able to do that. But we're going to wrap it up today as we think about what it looks like to have a good enough life. Maybe you have experienced something similar to the video introduction today where you ever had just one of those days that wasn't going your way? Or maybe it was more than a day. Maybe it was a week that wasn't going your way. Or maybe it was a month that wasn't going your way. Or like all of us who've lived through the pandemic, we've had a year or two where things just weren't going our way. A few weeks ago, I came home to my house, and I noticed that there was some water in the garage floor, which is never a good idea, right? Not a good instance. So I followed the water to my hot water heater, which looked like this. Do you see that seam? It's supposed to be straight, not bulging, <laughs> right? So it looked like my water heater was going to explode and go straight through the roof of the house. Well, it was 18-year-old water heater. It had had its day, and so it looked like it was going to blow up. So I panicked, did have the common sense to turn off the, the gas to that, and, and was just freaking out about that. So I went inside and washed my hands, and I was putting something down the garbage disposal. When I clicked the garbage disposal, I heard a crank and smoke came out of the sink. Same day. So same day, one call said, I need a new garbage disposal, I need a new hot water heater, when can you get here? Not until tomorrow. Well, that was bad enough, right? But in the past few weeks, uh, we've also, in my family, had to put four new tires on my wife's car, had a new battery for my car, also just uh, replaced the uh, exhaust manifold of my car, and we had to buy a new clothes dryer. Like... God, could you throw me a bone? <laughs> you know, like, no, I know. These are first world problems, right? I've got a house that I live in. I've got two cars that I can drive, right? It wasn't in the budget to fix all these things, but that's why we save money and have a savings account. And so it was a big headache and it cost a lot of money. But again, first world problems. 
There are bigger problems in the world, right? We talked about last week the horrible shooting in Buffalo, New, New York, right? The racism behind that, the hatred behind that, the, the lives that were lost. We see what's happening in the Ukraine and how terrible that is. And just all those who are dying, all those who are being tortured and raped and, and just destroyed, right? And it's going on and it's affecting us, right, with inflation. We talked about that last week, how things are more and everybody's money's going not as far and how stressful that that is for us and so there's a lot of stuff in the world that's that's it's it's tough right it's not a perfect world it's not a perfect life and even in our everyday lives right our children are getting ready to take the end of grade testing and some of those kids that were up here that you saw singing and older children than that are stressed out they're getting ready to have these end of grade tests and if you don't do well you're not going to move forward right and this is a lot of pressure for one test some of us in our congregation are still getting sick with COVID. Several of you are not here today. You might be watching online because you're battling COVID and other things, right? It's tough stuff going on. Got a call from one of my good friends who lives across the country and said that he just lost his job, which he'd just gotten a few months ago. He lost his, his job. He was laid off and he spent several months searching for a new job, and he finally got one. He'd gone through most all of his severance. He got the new job. He's excited for a fresh start, and two weeks into the job, his boss comes in and says, it's just not the right fit. And all this happened on the tail end of a couple of years that have been very difficult for him. His wife cheated on him and left him and married the guy that she cheated with. They have a little girl who's in elementary school, so now she has a split family, and has to spend time apart from her dad or apart from her mom, and now my friend has lost his job. He's wondering, how am I going to be able to support my daughter? And he asked me, where's God in this? And maybe you're like me or like the people in the world or like my friend who are going through a difficult time, and, and maybe we're not able to articulate it out loud, but we're wondering inside of our hearts or our minds, God, when is enough enough? Can you throw me a bone? Like, hello, God, are you awake? Do you care? Are you on duty? Because I'm going through a very difficult time here, and I need some help. We're wrestling with these questions and trying to figure out what it is and where is God in our lives. Well, we're not the only ones that maybe struggle with that question. We're going to look today at a story from Jesus where the Doyle disciples also asked some of the very same questions. They were very faithful in what they did, but they're asking God, where are you? Because we're in a tough spot. So let's see what's going on in the life of the disciples. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. He's at the Sea of Galilee. It's a big lake in the northern part of Israel. Think like Lake Norman, like big lake and he wants to go across to the other side with the disciples in a boat. And so they got into a boat and they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. Right? So the disciples then, you know, went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. So the disciples are with Jesus, they're going out on the lake and... Uh, he falls asleep, you know. I love the humanity of Jesus, right? He's fully God, but he's also fully human. And Jesus is tired and he needs a rest. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, don't you wonder sometimes, like, the human side of Jesus, like, did he have a pillow and a blanket on the boat? Like, you know, 
did he lay on, 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 a, on like a, one of the benches or was he on the bottom of the boat? And you know, Did Jesus dream? Like what did he dream about, right? What, what was Jesus, was he dreaming about food? Was he dreaming about going back to the full glory of heaven? Was he, you know, dreaming about friends? Like I wonder what he was dreaming about, you know? And did Jesus snore? I, I would love to know. <laughs> like he was a human, right? So like was it like a... You know, or a big, you know, or, you know big, like, like would Jesus snore? Or, or even the question, it's probably sacrilegious, somebody's going to get mad at me, but right, did he drool, right? You ever drool in your sleep, right? You know, you wake up and your pillow's all wet, you're like, did Jesus do that? You guys remember that show, Happy Days, uh, set in like the 1950s and the 1960s with the Cunningham family? It's an old show, but I used to watch that when I was a kid, and they had a character on Happy Days named Arthur Fonzarelli, who had this, these jeans, he wore a leather jacket and a white t-shirt, uh, and he rode a motorcycle, and everybody called him the Fonz, Arthur Fonzrell. He was a really cool guy. Well, one of the episodes, the Fonz had to go to the dentist to have oral surgery, and they put like those cotton, like long swabs, like in each corner of his mouth, so all four corners of his mouth, and he stuffed in there, and I know we got some dentists here in our church who are with us, and they can attest to this, and at the end of the surgery... They pulled this cotton out of the Fonz's mouth, and it wasn't wet at all. And everybody was shocked, like, what's going on? He's like, the Fonz is too cool to drool. <laughs> I wonder if Jesus was too cool to drool. But he's human. He's on the boat. And this big storm, this big squall comes up, and, and the disciples are worried. And they wake up Jesus. Jesus we might drown. And if we'd been the disciples, we'd probably do the very same thing, right? Wake up, Jesus, there's a storm here, right? They're, they're freaking out. And some of the other passages in the other Gospels, it even says, right, don't you care? We might drown, right? But now think about what the disciples have seen Jesus do to this point in person, right? They've seen Jesus do some amazing things. Right? They, they saw Jesus take just a handful of fish and bread and multiply that to feed over 5,000 men plus the women and children who were there. So maybe ten to 15,000 people with a handful of loaves and fish. Right? This is the Jesus who is with them. This is the Jesus who has healed a man who was paralyzed and now is no longer paralyzed. This is a Jesus who healed someone who was suffering from a skin disease called leprosy and when caused them to be socially isolated, Jesus healed them from that. Right? Jesus uh, cast out demons. He, he healed someone whose hand was withered and, and made it whole again. He did a long-distance healing. He, he healed someone's servant who was far away simply by saying, you are healed. And when he got back, the man was healed. Right? He, he caused blind people to see again. He, in fact, brought a person who was dead back to life. Right? The disciples have seen all of this. But they've forgotten. They've forgotten what Jesus can do. They've forgotten what Jesus has done. And they're on the boat. And, and they're probably very human like you and me. And they, in the midst of that panic, we lose everything in our memory. And all we can see is what's facing us, the storm right in front of us. And they say, Jesus, don't you care? We're going to drown. You're literally asleep on the job. You wonder that in your life? Right? When things aren't going your way, when things aren't going well, where's God? Right? I'm a faithful follower of Jesus. I, I come to church. I, I pray. I read the Bible. I'm 
right? I try to do good things, right? Jesus, are you asleep on the job? Don't you care? Do you see all the things that are happening in the world? Where are you? Will you please wake up? So let's see what happens with the 12 disciples who are asking Jesus the very same thing literally to his face. Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters and the storm subsided and all was calm. I wonder what he said. Hey, cut it out. Right? Stop. And then he says to the disciples, where is your faith? He didn't say all the things that I listed, but I'm sure that's implied, right? All that stuff, I didn't, where's your faith? In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water. And they obey him. So Jesus calms the storm that the disciples are facing. And in our lives, sometimes God does that as well. God calms the storms that we are facing. We find the new job. We find a new relationship. Healing comes, and we're able to thank God that we're well again. We do well in our EOGs. We we get a promotion, things are clicking at work or at school or in our social lives, right? And, and Jesus calms the storms of our lives and we're grateful. But sometimes, Jesus does not calm the storms in our lives in the ways that we expect him to. We get sick. People we love die. We lose the relationships. We lose the jobs. And it doesn't seem that Jesus is working to calm the storms in our lives in the ways that we anticipate. And it hurts. And it hurts. And it hurts. And we realize that Jesus has created us with a wonderful gift of freedom that's kind of like a two-edged sword. We get to make our own decisions, but we also have to deal with the consequences. And sometimes we make bad decisions and bad things happen to us because of our decisions. And we wonder where God is even though we were the ones that screwed up and, and it hurts. But sometimes we don't do anything wrong and stuff still happens to us that we haven't caused to happen. Sometimes someone else uses their freedom and it hurts us. They become racist. They shoot up stores. They drop bombs on countries, they create illnesses and disease, and, and they cheat on us, and, and they hurt us, right? And other people use their freedom to make bad choices that hurt us when we've done nothing to deserve it, and it hurts. And we want to know where God is. And then sometimes the most frustrating things happen. They happen, and there's no apparent reason. Right? A tree falls and hits the house. A tree falls and hits the car. Someone's in it and dies. They've done nothing wrong. No one in, in their life has done something wrong to cause that. It just happens. It's a freedom in the world, even with nature and all kinds of things. And it hurts. And we want to know where God is. And somewhere down deep inside of us, we're wrestling with a question that we're afraid to ask because it sounds sacrilegious, it sounds unfaithful, but if we're honest with ourselves, there's a question down deep inside where we ask ourselves, is God good enough? Is God good enough? 
because he does good things. He, he heals people in the Bible. He heals their withered hands. He makes them see again. He walks on water. He calms storms. But there's people in our lives and even ourselves who we haven't seen those storms stop. We haven't seen the healing take place. We haven't seen the, the good things happen. And so we wonder, is God good enough? It's okay to ask that question. It's okay to wrestle with that. It's okay because we're human and we hurt. And so let's see some more guidance from Scripture, right? The disciples, right, they saw Jesus and they still had these questions. Jesus, you're literally asleep on the job. What are we supposed to do with this? I want to go back to the Old Testament now, to the book of Psalms. Uh, a psalm is just it's kind of a song or something someone wrote, just like you and me. It was a couple thousand years ago, but they're real humans and they're crying out to God. And in the book of Psalms, we see every emotion, right? We see joy and thanksgiving and people who are having great things happen to them. And we see people whose world's turned upside down and they're honest about it with God. They take it all to God. Some of them are questioning God. Some of them are mad as hell and they're yelling at God. Right? Let's see what it says in the book of Psalms today. And there's a specific situation but we don't need to get into that because I think these couple of psalms that we're going to read can apply to anything going on in your life right now that's not going well. So let's see what the psalmist says to God in Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night. But I find no rest. That might sound familiar. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus himself said that when he was hanging on the cross. He said, my God, why have you forsaken me? I, I'm here and I'm dying. Let's go to Psalm 44. These are easy to remember today. Psalm 22, Psalm 44. If you want to look these up later, right? Just multiply by two, right? Awake, Lord, why do you sleep, right? Are you asleep on the job? Just like the disciples in the boat Jesus, God, are you asleep? Awake, wake up, I'm in trouble here. Right? Rouse yourself, get your alarm clock going, right? Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? I love these psalms because they're honest. And they ask God questions that you and I want to ask God, but we're afraid to ask. And so today as your pastor, I want to tell you that it's okay to take whatever it is that's in your heart to God and be honest because God's big enough to handle it. And you're not unfaithful for doing that. It's okay to ask God these hard questions. God is big enough to handle it. Nothing is off limits between us and God. And so we can cry out to God when things are unjust or not going our way or we're struggling with for difficult emotions or sickness or the death or, or the pain of life. God is big enough to handle it. And there's scriptural proof and precedence in the Old and the New Testament. You're not sacrilegious if you do this. God's big enough to handle it. We can be honest. And God knows it anyway, right? God can read our minds. God knows what's in our hearts. We might as well just get it out and say it to God. And a couple things to keep in mind here. One of them, you know, I think we can keep things in perspective. Like, I was mad that my water heater and my tires and all that stuff broke down and right, it cost all that money and inconvenience, right? But I keep it in perspective, right? It, it's not like I'm living in the Ukraine and I'm being killed and my kids are being taken away from me and my wife's being raped, right? It's, it's not the same thing. 
But at the same time, when you look at the perspective of what you're going through, don't minimize what you're going through. It might not be as bad as the Ukraine. It might not be as bad as the shooting in Buffalo. But it's still causing you pain, so don't minimize that. You can put it in perspective, but don't minimize it. Even if your car breaks down, it's frustrating. It costs you money. It costs you time. It's okay to say, this stinks, and I'm not happy about it. It's not like a, a Russian invasion, but it's messing with my life, and it's stressing me out. If we don't deal with the stress, we're going to internalize it, and we're going to blow up later with somebody in our life. And it's not going to be pretty, right? So we want to look at it with perspective, but we also want to not minimize what we're going through. Your pain's it's important. And some of you are going through a very difficult circumstance right now, or a set of circumstances. And so it's okay to take that to God, even with perspective, but not to minimize whatever. You might think, this is so small, it doesn't matter. It matters to God. God knows the number of hairs on our heads. So whatever you're going through... It's important to God. It's important to God. So we can be honest with God in our, in our struggles. I also love about the Psalms is, even though people are honest and they're going through a hard time, they also have hope and they don't give up on God. And they don't give up on their lives, right? There, there's still that sliver of hope. So let's see what happens in the next Psalm. This is Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. God is with us when we're going through the hard times. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. How many of us feel like our earth is falling apart, that your world is falling apart right now, right? And, and, and your world is being shaken and it's like you're falling apart. God is with you in the midst of that, right? Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake, with their surging, right? So this psalm doesn't say when everything's going right in your life, that's when God is with you, right? When everything goes according to plan, that's when God is with you. But a lot of times, that's what we think. God's not with us unless everything's perfect. What does the psalm say? When things are blowing up, when things are not going as planned, that's when God is with you as well. You are not by yourself. In fact, you can take refuge with God when things are not going well because God understands that. Jesus was mocked and ridiculed and betrayed and rejected and he was tortured and even killed, right? God understands the terrible things that happen to us in life because God's been through that. And so in the midst of our wrestling with things, we can also have hope that God is with us and we can take refuge with God. I want to share a couple of quotes with you from this book, Good Enough. Um, from uh, Bowler and Richie that say this, God is our safe place, not after the worst is over or before the other shoe drops, right? But right in the midst of our pain and grief and loss. God's with us in the mess, right? Not just in the good times, God's with us in the mess. God is our refuge as the world around us rages on. Right in the midst of the trouble, God is with you. You are never alone. So maybe we can turn, learn a lesson from the disciples. Remember, they're on the boat, they're freaking out, they think they're going to drown and all that kind of stuff, and they forgot all that stuff that Jesus had done for them. All that stuff that they'd seen, they forgot all that stuff, right? How soon do we forget what God has done for us, right? If you're going through a hard time right now, a very difficult time, right? Again, take it to God, share it with God, you know, keep it in perspective, but don't minimize your pain. But at the same time, don't forget what God has done in the past. 
I'm guessing that we can all look back in our past, right? Long term, short term, and it wasn't perfect, was it? We've had our hearts broken. We've lost things. Our dreams have been shattered. We've been sick, ill, whatever. God got you through that or you wouldn't be here today, right? Who are the people that God sent you in that time? How did God help you get through that? If God helped you get through that, then God can help you get through what you're going through now. So let's learn that lesson from the disciples when we're in the middle of something, right? We can yell out to God. We can get it out of our system. But also remember, what has God done? And look around to see what's God doing now. I don't know what's happening next. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But you know what? I'm not by myself. God's with me. God has sent family to be with me. God has sent friends to be with me. God has sent my church to me, right? As we begin to start checking off the things, not that just what God has done, but what is God doing now, right? maybe that's another thing we can do. We can take it all to God. We can share all the junk and the stuff that we're worried about, but maybe we need to make a list of, hey, this stuff in my life is going good, and I don't want to lose sight of that. Right? What has God done for us, and what is God doing for us in the midst of this challenge that we're facing? Right? In the midst of a of a world that is at war, in the, in the midst of a, a nation that is consumed by hatred and racism, there are good things, there are good people, there are good things happening in our lives, let's not forget that, and let's give God praise and glory for the good things that happen alongside of the bad things, because we're not perfect, we're not living a good enough life, but God's with us, and even in the midst of hard things, God brings good into our even if the worst thing ever happened, even when we die, we know it's not the end. Because Jesus died on the cross and he came back to life so that we can be forgiven and we can live life to the full and we can live forever in the kingdom of heaven. Even if the worst thing in the world happens to you, that's not the end of your story. Because our God is a God of life and resurrection and new starts. And by the way, Jesus died on that cross came back to life because he thinks you're worth it right that in itself is beautiful god thinks you are worth dying for you are worth leaving heaven for you are that valuable to god that is something that is good that you can hold on to no matter what you're going through right now so what's the point today what's the big idea what's the takeaway this is what i think it is god is more than God is more than good enough to help us through our problems. God is more than good enough to, to give us joy. God is more than good enough to give us hope. Our God, the one and only God, is more than good enough. So here's some action steps I invite you to think about as you wrestle with the complexity of life, right? Hard things happening in your life, maybe consider doing some of this, right? One, take it all to God, just like the people in the Psalms did, just like the 12 disciples did. Be honest with God. God's big enough to handle it. Right? When you do that, keep it in perspective, but also don't minimize your pain. Right? No matter what it is, God cares. Right? Take it all to God. But then remember what God has done. God has gotten you through what in the past? Right? God can get you through what you're dealing with now. God will get you into the future. Right? What is God doing now? What are the positive things happening in your life right now? Take that to God and say, thank you, God. This is crap, but this is good. Right? We got those two lists. God is with me and God is doing good things for me. And then finally take refuge in Jesus. We're not in this alone. Jesus, thank you for being with me. Thank you for letting me feel your presence. Thank you for giving me a church family. Thank you that I'm not alone. 
thank you that you understand what it's like to have bad things happen to you too. Take refuge in Jesus. So we think about this. I think about my friend who's out of a job and you know, trying to get his life back together after his wife has left him and divorced him and nothing, you know, that, that he didn't deserve that. I think about the people who are battling COVID and dealing with racism and coming up with you know, gene tests, all that kind of stuff, all the stress, dealing with financial struggles right now, all of us, right? What, what will we say to someone like that? What, right? Again, I think it's, hey, this is, this, this is, it's hard. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it hurts. It's not right. It's not fair. And it's okay to get that out. It's okay to be honest about that. Let it go. Give it to God. Talk to someone that you care about. Right? Get it out. And at the same time, look for where God is working in your life. Just as you've got that list of tough things that are happening, make that list of the things God has done for you or is doing for you now. You're not alone. You have people that care for you. You've got the joy of the creation around you. You're alive. Right? Tomorrow's a new day. Right? Look at what God has done. Look at what God is doing in your life right now. And take refuge in Jesus. You're not alone. God is with you. God loves you. God knows what it's like to go through hard times. We are not alone in this. At the end of the day, God is more than good enough. And because of God's grace shared with all of us, you also are good enough through the power of the Holy Spirit.